Welcome to The First 10 Years, a career podcast focused on learning from our past to propel us into the future. I'm your host, Danielle Doolin. I'm a communications professional, career and finance writer, and a career changer. But most importantly, I'm fascinated by work and how it fits into the bigger picture of life. I love to ask questions and want to know everything there is to know about how to have a successful and fulfilling career. On the first 10 years podcast, I'll reflect on my career journey thus far and invite other professionals and experts into the conversation so we can learn together how to turn the first 10 years of our career into a foundation for our ideal future. Hello, and welcome back to the first 10 years podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Doolin, and I'm so excited that you're here for the conversation today. Before we dive into our guest, which is an awesome, awesome conversation I had with Octavia Gordima, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for being along for this journey and bearing with me as I I figure out this new medium and audio and editing and all of those good things. It's something I was really excited to learn more and dive into as an avid podcast listener myself. Um, but I'm new at something again, and I'm allowing myself to be new, and that means there's going to be a bit of a learning curve, but I just wanted to say thank you if you're tuning in and if you're enjoying the conversation because it's because of you that I'm making this show and that it's possible. So thank you for bearing with me as I'm new at this and I continue to learn. So today's conversation, I'm so excited to share with you. Um, I'm joined by Octavia Gorodima who guides professionals to unleash their full potential in the workplace. She is a career coach and founder of the 2010 Agency, and Octavia has helped thousands of professionals achieve their goals. And we just had such an awesome conversation talking about her book and her Audible series. She is an acclaimed career expert. She's the host of the new Audible original series, How to Change Careers with Octavia Gordima, and the author of Prep, Push, Pivot, Essential Career Strategies for Underrepresented Women. She's also a dual US-UK citizen, and she was appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire by the Queen in recognition of her work, one of Great Britain's highest civic honors. She's also a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts, and she resides in Los Angeles. We had an awesome conversation about how to change careers and what her early career looked like and what led her to her passion for career coaching and helping other women. And I don't want to keep you from the conversation any longer. So let's dive in. Enjoy my conversation with Octavia. Um, So I'm excited to talk more about, about, about your career and your journey and about you. Thank you. Well, congratulations on making this happen. Um, And yeah, 10 years is a really poignant mark. So I'm excited for what the next 10 years hold for you. Yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So I like to kick off each conversation, getting to know about about you and your career and where are you specifically in your career? Are you early career, mid career, late career? Kind of how would you define that? Oh my goodness. Mid Mid to late, potentially. I never have actually thought about when my career might end. And I think because I've become an author, which is like having a first job, it literally is like having a first job where you don't know what you're doing, you know, you want it. And then you're like, oh, wait, I get the chance to do this. Oh, cool. Okay. Now what? Oh my gosh. Now what? I really don't know what I'm doing. That's literally (laughs) how becoming an author felt. But now that I've written and published a book, I actually don't know if I'll retire because I think I just want to write books and more books and more books for as long as I 
possibly can. So with that in mind, maybe I'm just at the beginning, who knows, on that journey. But professionally, I have been working for 23 years. Wow. Oh, that's so exciting with your yes. book. It's it's a new beginning. You get to have a, another new yes. beginning. You're you're fresh at something again. Yes. And so, and I think that's something that I hadn't really thought about. I had always, when I, and especially in the first 10 years of my career, was just thinking that your career would become this ascent that you, you make. Um, and, you, and it hadn't occurred to me that there could be cycles um, and especially cycles where you might do, even without changing a career, but just cycles where you might just do something that you haven't done before. And it's just like a a reinvention opportunity for you and to acquire new perspectives and skills. And, and that might happen in unexpected ways. For example, when I relocated internationally, I moved from London to Los Angeles. I've actually done that move twice. But the first time that I did that, I was doing the same job, but oh no, everything was completely different. So on paper, it might look like, oh, it's a move of location from one office to another. No, 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 no. It was a complete reset and restart. Um, And so those experiences might not look a certain way from the outside, but they'll definitely feel that way as you are navigating them. And that can just make things incredibly exciting and challenging, but um, an experience that helps you grow. Oh, that's awesome. So walk me through the first 10 years of your career, starting with what you wanted to be when you grew up. So... As a child, I wanted to be an author, but not of business books, like the business book that I wrote. <laughs> I wanted to write really cool stories. In essence, the stories that I liked to read, like uh, there's like a protagonist and there's adventures. And I just was captivated by books, an avid reader, loved storytelling. And when I was about maybe seven or eight years old, I wrote to the publisher Penguin, which now Penguin Random House, and I had noticed at the front of one of my books, there was an address for the publisher, Penguin. And so I wrote to that address and asked, how do you become an author? And they wrote me back. And that letter was just the most poignant thing. I mean, you you don't receive much mail when you're at that age, number one. And then number two, this publishing house had actually written back to me. And I kept that letter and the envelope on my bookcase for years. But then... Over the years that followed, I started to second guess that myself. I just started to think that wasn't an option for me. I didn't know any authors, Danielle, you know? I knew Mm -hmm. the names on the books that I read, um, but I didn't actually know anyone that had done it. And so I started to kind of scale back, scale back, scale back, scale back my ideas. And I, I was at university. I have a joint honours degree in politics and economic and social history. And I went to see a career counsellor and said, you know, I'm really interested in journalism, but I don't think I'm good enough. And he said, well, have you thought about public relations? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so I went and did an internship at a PR firm in my hometown. And I learned so much. I think I was there a week. But I learned so much in that week that I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So in my final year, at university, I knew I'd secured what I needed to graduate well. And so I started cold contacting PR firms and sending them press releases about myself, about why they should hire me. Wow. <laughs> and, and I got quite a few reactions um, from that. But while I was like 
cold contacting firms with press releases. I also was applying for roles. And it just so happened the national one of the national newspapers back home in the UK had an ad for an entry level position at a firm in London. And I applied for it and I got it. And when I got the job, I actually thought I'm not going to accept it. Don't ask me why. I just, at the time, that was what I was thinking. Uh, one of my best friends had a real talking to with me and she's like, you have to accept this offer. And so I did. And so I actually started the job before I graduated. I took time off from my graduation ceremony and went back to university for that. And that started my career in communications. And so I worked in London for those first five years. And then I had joined a firm that was bought by Edelman Public Relations, um, the largest PR firm in the world at the time, and I believe still is to this day. And I asked for a transfer to their Los Angeles office. And to my great surprise, that happened. And so (laughs) I moved to Los Angeles um, at the five-year mark in my career. I had an office with my name on it. Um, it just was a huge step in every conceivable way for me. I, my salary increased exponentially. Um, I was working in a country that I'd only visited twice before. Um, and I, even though I thought I was making a lateral move, I hadn't realized how much larger the economies of scale are here compared to the UK and consequently my own impact and responsibilities (laughs) increased substantially. All of a sudden, I was responsible for a team that wasn't just in Los Angeles, but in Seattle as well. Um, And it changed everything for me. And so I spent just over three years, almost four years working in Los Angeles. Um, I made a mini pivot in that role and started working in entertainment marketing as an entertainment marketing director, but within Edelman also. And then I had my first baby. And so I that coincided with moving back to the United Kingdom for three years. Oh, that's awesome. What was that experience like? Not only, obviously there's a familiarity of the same company, but moving to a whole new country. Oh, I'd like to tell you that, oh my gosh, everything was amazing from the get-go. No, it wasn't. It was the biggest professional challenge I think I have experienced to date because I underestimated how it would be because we speak the same language. I was like, this is going to be straightforward. I spent two or three weeks not being able to understand what anyone was saying to me, especially on conference calls, because the pace and the intonation and the points of reference and the business language and the geographies and the, the publications and the client, everything was different. I had to learn how to drive on the wrong side of the road. I had to get credit. I had to, you know, all of, it was, I completely underestimated. I thought the hard part was getting the yes and getting the visa. No actually what came after and I see that now in my work as a career coach when I'm supporting people for whatever their milestone is the getting the new job or getting the promotion we pour everything into what it takes for that but we often forget that we need support after that transition whatever it is because it's a new playing field 
And I really hadn't held space for that because I'd moved to London from my university town. I was like, I know what it's like to move. It's not the same. Um, And so it took me 18 months. Took me 18 months to really find my way. Now I was promoted within that time. So I, I figured out how to do my job and to do it well, but it really, oh my goodness, it, it was the steepest, steepest, steepest of learning curves, building networks from scratch, leading a team that you have come into, um, being in a completely new environment. Every, yes, it, it, was, it was really, really hard. So where did you find that support to get you through those 18 months? And at any point, did you ever consider quitting and moving back home? I'm not a quitter, but my partner did say that he did expect to come home to note on the mantelpiece <laughs> saying, I'm out, <laughs> but I'm actually not a quitter. So that quitting never occurred to me, um, but it was really, really hard. I didn't make friends instantaneously at work. I had my own office. And while that sounded super glamorous, it's very isolating because I didn't get chance to hear what was going on around me. I had to memorize names, but I couldn't easily associate them to faces because I wasn't having, you know, regular interactions as you might walk around an office and you, and you know people and you see people. I wasn't really doing that. I was literally heads down in meetings pretty much all the time and then getting work done and then traveling. So it took me a long time to get to know people outside of my very immediate team and not all of my team were physically with me in Los Angeles. Um, it took me a long time to start to build a network in general professionally. Everything I'd done in those first five years had been in London. None of that mattered where I was. It just mm-hmm. didn't. I, I had to start over. Um, and I realized now with the benefit of hindsight, I met a friend very early on. I didn't realize we were going to become friends when I met her, but we're still friends to this day. And she recommended an organization to me called Step Up. It's a nonprofit that started here in Los Angeles, and they do work to empower girls to continue their education and often become the first in their families to go to college. And I started volunteering there. And it wasn't connected to my job at all, but actually that was probably one of the smartest things that I did. I had something else to do, so I wasn't just always consumed with what I hadn't figured out yet at work or whatever deadline there was for me to meet. Um, And I started to build a network in Los Angeles um, of other people. And I also started to find my confidence in terms of having to drive to an event and figuring out how to get there. And just it just gave me a broader perspective culturally of things that were happening in Los Angeles, meeting people that weren't necessarily connected to the work that I did. And when I look back, I really, really am so thankful that my friend Shira told me about this organization and that I took the step to not just visit the website, but to actually sign up to go to an event and become a member and then raise my hand to, to volunteer because it didn't take much of my time. I was maybe doing one hour a month, maybe max two hours a month, but it really gave me something else um, in addition to my all encompassing work. And then I think also giving myself grace because I had underestimated how challenging and exhausting it would be just to get through a work day when you're trying to listen really closely to what people are saying and translate in your head what that means and then new expectations and forging new relationships and building trust. 
and recognizing the mini milestones as you start to do that. I didn't really do that in the moment because it was just like drinking from a fire hose, <laughs> just getting things done. And so the, with the benefit of perspective, I now realized, wow, I came through that just so much better than I probably gave myself credit for in the moment. Wow. So help me connect the dots from where you are at that point once you kind of got your bearings in Los Angeles to where you are now in your career. Oh, my gosh. So now I work as a career coach. So a complete... 360. And so <laughs> my day job takes me to companies where I might be delivering a workshop to a thousand senior leaders and directors about strategies about how they can position themselves for promotion or thrive after they've been promoted to maybe doing leadership development cohorts with maybe um, two dozen people where we get really detailed um, into their own career roadmaps and work together to map their next steps or I might be working one-on-one -on -one with a C-suite executive or a senior leader about for a year um, to support them as they're navigating what they need to do to lead effectively um, and I'm also an author um, I wrote a book but I also write extensively I've been writing columns for Newsweek I'm a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review um, Writing and communication has been a common thread that I can now see began from when I was small all the way through what I did at university to what I did in my career in public relations and to what I do now. Um, I, so that has been a consistent theme, just what I'm writing and how I'm writing has adapted, um, but communication is at the heart um, and I also, now you're asking me this question, I've always really done client work. Even when I worked in-house as a PR leader, we had clients that we served as an organization. So I've always worked with multiple stakeholders in different geographies and from different industries and different backgrounds. And that's the same now as a coach. I'm not industry specific. I could be working with astrophysicists one day and television producers the next data analysts one day, and then people who are working in um, beauty the, the next. Um, and so that is also a consistent thread now I think about it. That's so interesting. I think that's so key throughout your career to find that thread. And it may not make sense as you're going through those experiences, but in hindsight, it's always 2020 that you're like, wow, this is so obvious that I had this common denominator across my entire career. Did you leave Edelman and go right into your own career coaching or what, how did that, that no, pivot it was, happen? It, it was sequential steps incrementally over time before there was a huge epiphany. So when I left Edelman, I had two babies back to back um, pretty much. And I moved back to London for those few years and I started doing work then. It was 2010 and I had a feeling that new decade was going to be very pivotal for me. Um, I'd just become a mother for the first time, but even beyond that, I just felt there was going to be more to come and that instinct was right. And I didn't know I would then come back to Los Angeles and start a career again in communications. I went in-house this time for a few years, but there were some fundamental shifts that started to happen with me. I started to realize that working hard 
wasn't enough. I started to realize once I'd gotten 10 years into my career, which I had at that point, that not everyone was ascending at the same pace, even if we'd started at roughly the same time. People were having different experiences. Um, I myself was starting to question, like, what am I meant to be doing? And I think that was the point in my career where I started to realize I needed to play to my strengths. I needed to take the take the take the step to prioritize playing to my strengths. But that was also correlating with the fact with the time where I became a mother. And I hadn't really thought through about how that might impact not just my capacity, but my earning potential. I really didn't think about not just for me personally as Octavia, but just how that manifests for so many working parents, particularly working mothers. Um, And so I spent a lot of time thinking I'd made some serious mistakes and thinking that how did I find myself in this position where I'm not ascending as quickly, where I feel like I'm failing at home and not doing enough at work and how do I, but what I realize is that there's so much systemically that can set us up for failure that it's just such a hard time to navigate. I really wish that I had spoken to more women who were maybe a few years further down that road than me to have a perspective because in the moment it just felt so debilitating. It really did. And now with the benefit of hindsight, I can realize actually no, that period actually is my superpower. That's when I started to prioritize what really matters. That's when I started to really see what my worth could be if I played by certain rules and what I really had to demand and reach for. That's when I realized that I had to prioritize starting based on what my career values are. And that's a concept that I talk about in my book, Prep, Push, Pivot. That's what I realized when I had to respond to people's perceptions of what you may or may not be able to do, but also not let those consume you whether you're being praised for something or being criticized for something you have to hold true to what you know you are capable of in the good times or in the bad times and not let anyone else's validation or perceptions or criticism impact you negatively you've got to keep things moving and um so I now realize that those years which felt like I was struggling and not advancing actually were the catalyst for so many things for me. And so I became a career coach after being coached myself. Um, I had had, oh my goodness, so many instances where I was leading teams and I've always been really, really passionate about professional development and I'd started writing about the topics, but I had never connected the dots that this might be work that I was meant to do until I was coached for myself. And it was such a profound experience in so many ways. And based on just what I knew some of my core passions and strengths were, I knew this was what I had to do. And so that's what I did. And that's what I've done ever since. That's amazing. So going back to that shift that happened, do you feel like that was as a result of where you were in your career or as a result of becoming a parent? No, it wasn't becoming a parent necessarily that did it. It was just the culmination of so many things of knowing I wanted to do things differently, not really being attuned to the impact of what my strengths were. And then the coaching process, if you haven't been coached before, it's so transformative because it's the one space where you have someone that you're working with who is fully invested in meeting you where you are, but getting you 
where you decide you want to be with no filters, no judgment, just 100% centered on what you want to explore and helping you let go of things that might no longer be serving you. And it was such a profound experience. And I also realized without labeling it, I have coached others at other points throughout my career without it ever being an official capacity. It was just some inherent, but it's very hard to do it for yourself. And that's why now as a coach, I continue to be coached because it's very hard to do it for yourself. Um, you can be a mirror for others and you can be a support and catalyst for others, but it can be hard to do that for yourself, even when you know the strategies and the approaches and the principles and the best practices. Um, it's still sometimes we all, we all need that additional perspective at times to help us calibrate. I can um, and so it was, yes, it was, it was serendipity in terms of when it happened. And also I could never have done it, I think, 10 years prior because I think I had to have navigated to a certain point in my career to have experienced certain things for me to have the depth of experience um, as well as understanding the parameters of then I, I, I went and started to train as a coach in terms of how you then apply coaching principles. So it happened at exactly the time that it should have happened for me. Um, I think when I graduated, if, Someone said, why don't you be a career coach? I'd be like, what? No, huh? It just wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have worked then. That would make sense. <laughs> I had to go and build a career and do things um, and try things that worked really well and things that hadn't worked um, to be able to then go and do this. Um, so, yes. And also, I have what I consider a dual career because I, I'm also a writer. Um, and the two things intersect often in the case of with my book, but they also have their own separate cadence. Um, and so I have a portfolio career in essence, which I really love because I don't like to be put in a box. Yes. I love that. I love the term for portfolio career. I'm actually currently reading a book called the portfolio portfolio life by Christina Wallace that dives into that topic. So it's a great read if you have not read it. Um, I have not read it and I'm going to make a note and check that out. (laughs) Awesome. I asked that question because I recently became a parent a couple of years ago and I feel like I've noticed a shift in my career and professional life. And it's, it's, for me, it's hard, it's hard to decipher. Is that just where I am in my career? Is that a result of becoming a parent and realizing you have to pre-prioritize what you value and what's important to you because you have less time because you're literally taking care of another human being. So I think it's a really pivotal time in in your life how would you say how would you say that your definition of success has changed since when you graduated and when you started your career to where you are today and I'm sure it's evolved going through your coaching and and trying to understand that for yourself it's completely evolved if I cast my mind back to when I started my career it was get a job number one find a job um and learn, right? I, I needed to get experience. Um, I didn't really feel I had any autonomy in, and I probably even had more autonomy than I realized in terms of what I would could have chosen to apply for and things like that. But just getting my first, my first roles and that, those first years of experience were just so important to me. Um, and then once I did that, 
I realized I needed to make some choices because what I realized was once you start perhaps pursuing a certain track, it doesn't mean you can't change. Of course you can. But you have to be very intentional about the directions that you move towards. And in my first job, after the first year, I was really curious. I was I was doing corporate affairs and public affairs and using my politics background. And, you know, I continue to be so civically minded and really passionate about politics. But I realized I did not want to work in that space after a year um, for personal reasons. And I wanted to try more consumer and entertainment. And I remember my boss at the time saying, you are crazy. If you try this, you will never be able to come back. And I thought, well, I think it's crazy. I didn't say it to him not to try, because if I don't try this, I will wonder what could be. And so I then was constantly acquiring new experiences. And then as I want to move to the United States, I want to make that happen. And so it was always the next marker in terms of where I was working, what I was doing. How I measure success now is what which of my strengths am I leveraging the most that I want to engage the most how much autonomy do I have and how much impact am I making those are how I now measure my success I want to play to my strengths and if there's a new skill that I don't have I want to position myself to absorb that and to be constantly learning and growing and it's less about what's the next job that is moving me up a ladder it's it's very much about what is my autonomy what strengths am I leveraging and what new strengths do I want to perhaps consolidate or add to the mix um, and I have an endless curiosity that I started to realize I don't think will ever be satiated at all and I tend to get bored very quickly and so having a dual career where I get to create and research and create and write is just a dream come true for me because I set the parameters for what I want to write about or explore. Um, and having a book is a manifestation of all of those things and I could never have really thought I would see that through. So it's also shown me that you can't put a limit on your own potential you have to just roll with what you want to do more of and trust that you will get what you want and maybe even more than you realized just from going through the process versus what the end result is. That's a beautiful definition. You've mentioned twice now a dual career. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what, what that means? Oh my goodness. So it means that like today, <laughs> I will be meeting with a CEO in the morning and discussing, you know, what they're doing and me adding value. Then I'll be doing an interview, <laughs> more often than not, um, about my work. And then I, I have an article to edit that I wrote for Harvard Business Review. That's next on my list. That was an email that came in. That's come back from my editor. So my day can actually have multiple components where I'll be coaching, consulting, holding some space to either edit something that I've already written or actually write. Um, I also speak often. Um, I go to corporations and speak in person or speak at conferences. Um, and I made a series for Audible 
um, earlier this year. Um, I actually started writing it last year, but recorded it earlier this year and it debuted in May. Um, and so that I was doing while doing all of my other work as well. So no one day looks the same for me because the companies I work with as a coach, the work that we're doing ebbs and flows at different times. I'll be supporting different employees at different times or leading certain events at different times. So I don't have a, this is what my Monday looks like. This is what my Tuesday looks like. Um, so every day could look slightly different. Sometimes I travel and sometimes I'm just making sure I'm getting onto Teams and then WebEx and then Zoom and then <laughs> Google Meet in different time zones. Um, and so sometimes my day can start really, really early. I, I'm based in Los Angeles, but it could start like at four in the morning, my time. Um, it rarely extends late though, because I'm a parent. And so I am very intentional about there's a period where I stop working so I can be present with my family. And then if I'm going to work late, um, later in the evening, it's typically when I'm perhaps editing something or planning for the next day versus taking a meeting or anything like that. So. Awesome. So you, you mentioned both your book and your Audible series. So let's start with your book, Prep, Push, Pivot. Can you share a little bit about the inspiration for that book and, and why you wanted to yes. be the author? So my book, Prep, Push, Pivot is a career coaching guide for underrepresented women. And so when I became a coach, it's the most rewarding and impactful work that I've done. But I also realize not everyone has the opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with a coach. You know, coaching as a resource is not the cheapest. Um, so you either have to have a certain amount of disposable income to be able to go and hire a coach for yourself, or you have to work at a company that has identified that they're going to provide that resource and you have an allocation of a budget or you're part of a program or initiative and have been selected to be part of this. Um, and so if you don't have the disposable income, if you're in between jobs maybe, or if you have an employer that isn't able, because not all employers can, right, isn't able to provide a professional development budget for one-on-one -on -one coaching for you, you're not going to have access to that resource directly. And so I wanted to create a book that could help underrepresented women navigate key moments, um, knowing your worth, figuring out how to negotiate your salary, how to position yourself for promotion, and crucially, what to do next if you don't get that promotion, how to align your career next steps if you're a caregiver, whether that's for a parent or someone you love, or whether that's you in the role as a parent and taking care of little ones, how to return to work, if you have taken time away, whether that's to study or to take care of a family member or just to, because you've come out of unemployment and are looking after a period of time to get back to work, um, how to make a career change if you're targeting a pivot, but also how to be really pivotal to the advancement of others. And, you know, as a Black woman myself, I know how hard it can feel to break barriers and those barriers might be invisible to anyone else you might be the first in your family to do x or y or z you might be the first in your friendship group to do one of those things then you might be the first in your organization potentially <laughs> to do a certain thing and so i wanted to make sure that i held space 
for that and how lonely it can feel even when it looks like you're ascending. And especially if it feels like you're not where you want to be next. And so that was the driving impetus. I, I, I wanted to share my, the perspectives that I've had, but also the insights that I have from the work that I do and put it into one place. And, and coaching, in essence, is asking a lot of questions and really paying attention to what those responses are and what support you need to move forward on the things that you're curious about and want to do more of. Um, and so it was such a joy to bring this book into the world. Um, I hadn't really thought about what would happen after I wrote it, to be honest. <laughs> it's just That was the marker um, that I had. But it was such a transformative process for me. Um, and it continues to... I, I never cease to be amazed at what an impact it has had for me personally in terms of sharing and and helping others who I might never get the chance to meet. That in itself is just incredibly rewarding to me. That's really amazing to create such a robust career resource and make it accessible for everybody. Like you said, not everyone can maybe afford a career coach, but you can go to your local library and rent and, to, and check out a yes. book and read it and still get some of those great yes. tips and tricks exactly. and ways to... And I'm so excited that my book is in libraries. It's actually <laughs> one of the most exciting parts to me. It's in my local library. And then I see like, God, Google it. It's in a library in New Zealand, like in this really small part of New Zealand. And it's just like, I could never have imagined that when I was sitting down and, and writing certain things. But yes, that's that's the beauty of sharing and and sharing is powerful, right? Those are the moments in my career that have been the most profound for me when someone has shared either a perspective or what they did. And it's not necessarily with the attachment that it would be the same for me because it likely won't be identical, but sharing is so powerful. And so and we can all do that, even if we're not authors, we all have the power to do that. And I think it's a really profound one to use. Right, and exactly. And like you said, knowing that you're not alone in your experiences. I experienced that when I was going through a career change and I felt like I was the only one doing it and it was so isolating. And then come to find out it's actually really common. (laughs) It's just not many people were talking about it. So being able to read those stories and and read your coaching and advice, that's going to be so impactful for so many women. Um, You also mentioned your Audible original series, which is how to change careers. So how did that come about? And is that, would you call it an extension of your book or a complement to your book? One more specific topic that you kind of dive into? Like what what provoked that? Yeah, um, it, it came about accidentally. I received an email via my website asking if I would possibly be interested in doing this project on this topic. And it's actually distinct in that I share in those five episodes my journey specifically and what I learned from it of navigating a career change and what I would recommend from some of the things that I perhaps didn't do so well, but some of the things that also benefit my book did actually work for me, even though I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I was figuring it out. For anyone else who is reaching for that next chapter, whether it's a major pivot or maybe an incremental one. So it's much more personal. Than, or at least it feels much more personal 
to me because in the audible I'm also talking about my journey of becoming an author and you know and and so it's yeah it, it felt such a joy to have the opportunity and also it's an audio series now my book separately has an audiobook but I was writing specifically for audio here it's um five episodes um it's me talking um in essence I wanted it to feel conversational but also it's it, for someone if they're listening at a self-paced uh, as part of a self-paced program for them to be able to pause and kind of listen to what I'm saying and do some exercises it's very action oriented as I'm sharing my experiences and we're working through a roadmap together as you listen so I had never written specifically for audio before um and so I wrote a script and preparing for the recording and all of those things it was a real stretch in a great way for me um I was I learned so many new skills it made me a better writer without a doubt without a doubt I firmly believe whatever you're writing even if it's for a blog read it out read it out to yourself how does it sound um and so I loved working on that project um I I, I and it was it was much faster than a book books take a long time yeah this was fast <laughs> that's so exciting what an awesome opportunity that is that someone reached out to you that's like the best way for things like that to happen um, so what tips would you share for someone who's maybe considering a career change, who's trying to consider what their next options are when they're just kind of confused in their career? What what advice would you give them? Yes. Um, talk to as many people as you can, but know that the advice that you get, or if it's someone who's made a shift you're considering, is going to be from their point of view. And there'll be parts of that that are going to be incredibly helpful for you, but also know there'll be parts that maybe don't apply to you in the same way. And that's totally, totally okay. And you also have to remember, you have to believe in yourself, even if you don't know every single step that it's going to require. And even if you don't know exactly when you're going to hit whatever you consider to be the markers that you are on the right path, you have to believe in yourself because people will only start to believe in you often when you've completed that process. There are some people that will believe in you from the beginning and those people are amazing. But more often than not, people see it, get it, get excited about it when you've done all the work. I can tell you that from being an author for sure, right? When there's an actual <laughs> physical book, there's something that people can say, oh, wow, congratulations. Or when there's a job offer, oh, wow, congratulations. Right. Or when you graduate, right? But all the work that matters comes when you pick the course that you're going to pursue at college and then you get up in the morning and you go to class. And then when you get a bad grade, you figure out what went wrong and you fix it the next time. Those are all the things that matter. And yes, the people that come to your graduation, of course, have every right to be proud and excited and to cheer for you. But you have to believe in yourself and cheer for yourself as you're going through all those steps. And that same ethos applies when you're making a career change because when you become when you become resolute that no matter what what no matter what happens you're going to be putting yourself in a better place and you're going to learn so much from whatever you're going to explore things can only get 
better for you. You'll start to attract other people who see that you believe in what you're doing, see that you're excited to try new things, and you become a magnet. Um, but it can be very easy to second guess ourselves or to think we can't when it, it's not immediately in front of us to reach for. I can 100% attest to what you're saying because I had a very similar experience when I started my career change. I was two years into my job after college and was like, this isn't it. I want to go do something else. And everyone's like, you're out of your mind. Like, why would you <laughs> leave this great job at a great company? And I'm just like, that's just not, I had to like believe in myself. I had to be my own cheerleader throughout that process until I got to where I was going. And everyone's like, oh, this makes so much sense now. Like, cool that you got here. And I was like, yeah, like where was that support (laughs) five years ago? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would love to know, what do you think is something that's not talked about enough when it relates to career changes? Because that's something that, um, what I don't think is talked about enough is how long it can take. I think if I was to, to quantify it from start to finish, it was probably like a five year transition before I got to a job that I was really happy in and really content in. And I think a lot of times it can seem like, oh, you read these articles and it's like, you can make a career change tomorrow, which in theory, you can start that process, but I think it can take a lot longer than that. So what do you think is something that's just not talked about or shared enough as it relates to people making career changes? Yeah, I think the time that it can take, and even when it might look like you've made it, there's still components that are unseen to anyone else that you are still figuring out and learning or experiencing. And I think there's also the component of if you try something and you didn't like it, we don't always want to talk about that because we think it might be, oh, but we failed. We we <laughs> took this step and we went to do this thing and now we don't want to do that anymore. It's not a failure. It's actually great that you've learned so much more about who you are, what you want to try, what you've learned from that, and then what you're going to do next. It's not necessarily a beginning and an end. We're constantly, constantly growing, experiencing and learning. And then I think sometimes there can also be the realities about money too. Um, You know, how much we earn doesn't have to be a marker for success, but what we earn does matter. And I think we have to also recognize everyone's barometer for risk is very, very different. And there might be certain non-negotiables for you, Danielle, that are different to me even for the very same career change. And that's okay. And I think that's why I always say when someone's giving you advice, you also have to understand that they're non-negotiables and how they define success and their own perspectives on what they do are not necessarily going to be exactly the same as yours. So you need to hold true to what your non-negotiables are and how you define success and what you want to experience. And if you experience something and you realize, okay, that's not for me, that's great. I actually love hearing that when I'm a career coach. I don't consider it a failure at all. I think that's great because the things that we know are not for us are as important as the things that we know are. Exactly. It's a data point. If nothing else, it's you tried it, you've you failed at it and now you know you yes. don't want to do it. Great, let's what's next? And using that as information yes. to inform and I don't your next think you move. You failed at it. You you learned from right. it. Right. Yes. You tried you it, you learned from it. And then how are you going to apply that? And it will often propel you 
in so many more impactful ways because knowing what you need to move away from the things in my career that I know I needed to move away from I don't regret moving I don't sit here now and think, oh well, I really wish I'd just stayed a bit longer doing that particular <laughs> thing no I'm so glad that I realized that is not for me however long or short that experience was at the time I learned from it and you might not always be able to move immediately from that thing it might take a little bit of time or you might have to do a bit of it while you're reaching for other things it's not always neat transitions are really messy they're really messy there could be bits of it which are amazing there could be bits of it you're like oh I still have to deal with these personalities or I still have to deal with this kind of erratic schedule or I still so knowing what your non-negotiables are important as much as the things that you can be flexible on and also the components where you're like this is what makes it worthwhile and whatever you're doing right now does not define you forever. And no one else sees that potential of more. Only you can start to plant the seeds for that or ask for that or reach for that. So it's actually really exciting to have the bits that don't work because you can then start to readjust and replan and recalibrate. I agree. You touched on two really important points, I think, when it comes to making a career change, which is the financial piece and the risk piece. Yes. And how... Yes. The financial piece, I mean, that was a huge component in my career change because I had a, a, a mound of student loan debt, which I'm sure other people do when they've yes. gone to college for one profession and they change their mind. Um, and then the risk piece, I'm very um, risk intolerant. So I had to make very safe yes. moves, especially when it related to finances. So what tips can you yes. share for someone who maybe is a little bit more risk averse and they're, they're afraid yes. to kind of make that next step? Yeah, I talk about this in detail in my Audible series, How to Change Careers with Octavia Gorodim. And it's really important to be honest with yourself. And you can't have some perhaps fairy tale perspective necessarily about how things could be. You have to get really real about what your non-negotiables will be. It could be that you, it's always, financially important, but it's not always just finances. It could be you have to be in a certain location or you have a certain amount of time that you have that you earmarked based on your budget that you could explore this, or you know that you can't get this far into your savings, or you know, what, whatever it is, you have to be really clear on those things. And then you have to also know, it can be smart just to have a provisional fallback plan, just provisional, right? Okay, if I get this far, and then these non-negotiables are no longer being met, this is what I would in theory do. And you might not need to activate that, but it's then smart for you to have thought about that. Then you can start to think about the upsides and the potentials. But it's always smart to think about what's the best that could possibly happen as I navigate this question. Like if everything went amazingly, what's the best? What's the worst that could possibly happen? Like if every single, single thing went wrong, what's the worst, right? And then you know your non-negotiables and you have like provisional bulleted out fallback plan for what you would do next if and then think about what's in between because what's likely to happen is it's going to be something on that in-between pane there'll be elements that are perhaps you didn't even think of that are amazing and then there might be little moments where you're like oh, wait what right <laughs> this is happening but what you'll realize if you think that way is that whichever of those three scenarios you can adapt and respond to and you have to trust that you'll take the next step, figure it out. And then if the worst of all scenarios happens, 
you've already thought through what that could be. You've already started to think about what you would do next because it's not what happens to us, Danielle, it's what we do next. And we, we find that out when we're suddenly surprised by awful news, you know, whether that's, you know, an injury or to someone that we love or losing a job or it's, it's yes, the thing happens. And then it's, what do you do next? I love that. I think that's so beautiful and impactful. Um, so what, what are you excited about right now? What are you looking forward to as you progress into your future career? Oh my goodness. So I talked to you about how much I love writing and then I realized while I was busy since my book came out, I was doing a lot of talking about the writing that I'd done and I wasn't writing as regularly as I wanted to. And so earlier this spring, I made a commitment that I was going to sit down every Friday or Saturday and share career advice that I would send out on Sundays um, to my email community. And it's a really nice moment for me to kind of reflect on either a conversation that I've had that week when I've been doing my my work as a coach or something that I've read or an experience that I've had um, and share that. And I sometimes will get an email back and I didn't even know this person was on my email list um, and they're sharing how that has impacted that's what they're thinking about as well. And so it's a very simple thing, but it's just become a habit that I now make, um, that I look forward to and love. And so if my advice might be helpful for you um, as you're listening, and please go to my website, OctaviaGorodima.com, and you can click on a link, I think, at the top, and you'll be able to receive that every Sunday as well. That's awesome. You beat me to the punch. I was going to ask where people can find you and learn more about you and purchase your book. Uh, well, my website absolutely has all of those things. So OctaviaGorodima.com. But I use LinkedIn out of all the social media platforms. That's the one that I'm on every day. And so please, if you're listening, reach out to me then. Let me know that you listen to the episode. And if you ever have a question that I can help with, please reach out. Um, I'd be happy to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Octavia. This was wonderful learning more about you and your experience and all of the great career advice that you have to share. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me, Danielle. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Octavia. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review wherever you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show and amplify it in their feeds so we can have more, more fun and more people join the conversation. You can follow along on social media at the first 10 years podcast. And if you have any feedback or questions or career advice that you're looking for, send me an email at the first 10 years podcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye.